broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Atlanta, Georgia, it's time for Midtown Business Radio. What's up, everyone? It's CW. Thank you for checking out the Midtown Business Radio Show. On this week's episode, I had a guest co-host in the studio, friend of the show, Bo Wilkins from Sound River Advisors, joined me. And we were talking to Brooke Beach. She's the CEO and co-founder of a company called Kevy. I was introduced to Brooke by our friend Bill Plunk, the nicest and one of the best commercial collectors you could have if you have some accounts lagging behind. And Kevy is a very cool company. They're a, an email marketing automation platform in its simplest description, but they do a whole lot more than just automate some emails to your customers that have visited your site and purchased from your online retail e-commerce site. The Kevy solution offers very behavior-based triggers that show pop-up type information and emails that are very relevant to that particular site visitor's behavior. So if I come and I check out a particular item several times, but I don't buy, Kevy's software that's embedded into your existing website can then interact with me in a very specific way that's very unique to what I have been demonstrating on I'm interested in and the fact that I maybe I'm hesitating because I'm waiting for a sale, you can actually get very targeted with whom you end up ultimately offering discounts to, not just necessarily having to run like a blanket discount offer for all the site visitors. You can actually show discounts to people who are clearly interested in a particular item, but they're hesitant to buy based on current pricing. That allows you to let those full price customers buy all they like, but then at the same time, serve those more reserved and slower paid buyers who may be holding out for a sale to come along, you can spur them to action by getting very specific based on their behaviors. Here's Brooke talking about their solution and why they saw an opportunity to serve the B2C component where many companies are just focused on a B2B side. Check it out. Instead of just browsing and kind of getting a feel for it, they're selling the same thing that 15 other stores are selling. You're creating an experience. And I think that that is where the world of shopping is going to go. I don't know if you've heard about the massive Bass Pro Shop that just took the stadium over and I think Nashville, Tennessee. But it's this massive experience. And yes, it's brick and mortar, but you can stay at a hotel there within the facility. You can go fly fishing. You can learn to fish. They've got kids programs and retreats and all kinds of things. So they're making shopping an experience. Now, it takes a lot to be able to facilitate that. But online, we need to start moving in that direction. It's been such a empty space. So people go shopping online and you're super anonymous and there's really no interaction beyond the click to purchase. So how can we make this a two-way conversation and dialogue and really bring in a cool interaction and experience to the online shopping scene. So talk about what your customer looks like so that if I'm listening, I go, oh, okay, that makes sense. I need to I need to maybe look a little bit more closely. What's the typical profile of the enterprise that's linking up with your solutions? If you sell anything online. So if you have, <laughs> to be yeah. very broad. Everybody. Everyone. No, to be, we, we really focus on mid-sized companies. So a million in revenue or more. Now we have some people who are doing far less and far more than that. But a million in revenue and, and higher is typically where we fall, where we find a lot of our customers. And we really, we've, we've tried to figure out, okay, is there a certain type of industry that's more focused on it? And really there's not. It is, we have some people selling food, some people selling books, some people selling supplements and vitamins. So as long as you, have a desire to engage with your shoppers more effectively, then we're a good fit. Stick around for the full interview with Brooke Beach and Bo Wilkins coming up next. Good afternoon, everyone. It's C.W. Hall, your host here on the Midtown Business Radio Show. Thanks so much for making us a part of your day today. Pleased to be joined in studio by two business people from here in Atlanta that I'm happy to be introducing you to. Bo Wilkins from Sound River Advisor joining me in the studio. How are you? Been here once or twice. 
And then I've also got the CEO and co-founder of a company called Kevy, Brook Beach, with me in the studio. Great to be here. Now, was Bill Plunk, did he introduce me to you? Yes, he did. That's right. Yep. I need to have him back. I've, I've told him I wanted him to come and co-star with me here on the show sometime. And he would love that. To so we need to bring him back. Maybe you and he can come on sometime okay. together. <laughs> so for folks who aren't familiar with Sound River Advisors, Bo, why don't you tell them a little bit about the company and what you guys do? Yeah, so we're a financial advisory firm, and we specialize working with business owners primarily, doing business transition or exit strategy planning. And uh, three of my partners that are with me in the company support in that role as it relates to any kind of insurance-related, life insurance-related planning that comes under uh, along with that, which could be estate planning, succession planning, continuation planning for the business. And, uh, and then we have an investment arm as well that we'll uh, employ as needed, whether that's for an individual or for a corporation for qualified plans, 401k, pension plans, and then non-qualified deferred comp plans, the things that we've talked about before that, that are there to golden handcuff, retain, and reward the key, high value key mm-hmm. people executives mm-hmm. without giving away the the Everything. equity of the company exactly mm-hmm. yeah so what was your background i don't re- recall your background before you got to sound river advisors yeah so it's it's really been the same i uh, grew up here in atlanta i went to hampton sydney college in virginia and uh, came back here a lot of years ago and have been in the life insurance business i'm now in my 24th year and um different iterations of that business. And I uh, formed my own company with three partners, as I said, this almost four years ago. And um, so that's, you know, essentially morphing into where we are now, which is, you know, where we've got an interesting demographic with a bunch of baby boomers that are looking to retire over the next decade. And a lot of, you know, they control 65% of the businesses Mm -hmm. in this country. And they all need a solution to exit and get liquid so they can actually retire and live and get out of the business. And so we help them. We have a consulting practice that does that, that puts together a game plan for them, actionable, written, to do that. So you can kind of look at where they are right now and see some areas they may need to shore up before they either go to transition it to heirs or possibly try to sell it. Exactly. Whether it's an inside transition to key employees, whether it's inside transition to family that's active in the business, or we sell it to a third party, private equity, maybe it's a strategic acquisition. And uh, But the issue is, is that you talk to a business owner, typically they don't have a plan. They may have a plan in their head, but I'm talking about a actionable, actionable. Mm-hmm. That's a living, breathing document. That, by the way, whether they're not planning an exit for 20 years, you still need to have, be always sale ready, right? You know, because that means you're operating at maximum f- efficiency and value, and that's what we help them do. And so, what's that conversation like when they don't have that plan in terms of making them understand that no, seriously, you really actually have to have you need to have this down in writing and and really have something you can look at, refer to, evaluate yourself against. Because as you say, they may kind of have in, the, in their mind this, uh, you know, 20, 30 years from now, I'm going to hand this over to the, the kids or I'll see about selling it for millions and millions of dollars and we'll deal <laughs> with it then. How do, you, how do you make them understand that this has some measure of importance now? Yeah, I think it's, the, it's that's, therein lies the hardest part of what we do, which is drawing on their emotion their emotional side. That's the way we have really the best way to get the business owner to stop and say, 
wow, this does make some sense that I'm not bulletproof. And I think some of that is just basically, you know, going through, um, you know, drawing on, you know, what happens if you, your, your two key people that are driving 60% of the revenue, if they walk or if one of them dies, or if you get divorced, what does that mean? Mm -hmm. Well, it it means that you're going to be paying your ex-wife 50% of the value of the company. And where are you going to get the liquidity? Well, you're going to be selling the company pretty quickly. Does that really make, shouldn't you, I mean, does, does that make sense? Would you want to be in that spot? Um, and so it's really, um, sometimes taking them through scenarios that we've dealt with, with clients that are not so good and basically saying, you know, what, if you did it the other way, if they would have done it the other way, they would have, uh, they would have driven more value for themselves, more greenbacks. <laughs> well, it's probably helpful for them to know that they have a partner that they can talk to about something like this. Yeah. There's probably not a lot of people that they can go to, exactly. to really have this kind of conversation. Yep. Yeah. And the problem that you hit on, the, one of the biggest problems is they have their attorney, accountant, right. insurance person, investment person, which are all good quality, you need people, but there's no coordination amongst them. Mm-hmm. And that's what I was going to say is I would imagine that <clears throat> particularly with the demographic that we're talking about is somebody that's got a, in most cases, a well over a million dollar business that they've built over time. And I've got a guy, you know what I mean? Yeah. That, that I've got a, I've already got a guy that handles that for me. I mean, I, 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 w- I would imagine that there's some reasons why they might want to consider the, the team that is Sound River versus <laughs> yeah, guy. Yeah, because we coordinate and lead the effort. We don't do the, all the, for example, when there's legal work to be done as a part of that transition exit plan, the lawyer's doing that work. We're leading and coordinating and making sure it's getting done. Um, but the lawyer's doing what the lawyer's trained to do. And we lead that effort to make sure everybody's staying coordinated on time, and, you know, so the, the lawyer, if lawyers were good at doing what we're doing, they'd be doing it already. You know, they're, they're good at being lawyers, but they're, you know, you, when you talk to a lawyer, they're buried in their practice. So for them to take their practice on and all of a sudden become the quarterback for the business transition, you know, they're in another business. So. so I come from a family of an attorney, so. Yeah, as, I, as do mm-hmm. I. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know how it goes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yep. So, mm-hmm. um. So anyway, yeah, we, uh, you know, we play quarterback for that process and then we form the team and the team affects the work, the actual specific work. How often do you run into that situation where we've got a key executive or executives that we really want to make sure they stay? They've really been a key element to why my business is what it is. How often do you run into that situation where they're really kind of, based on what you know, vulnerable, if you will, to being plucked out? Uh, A lot. Yeah, I mean, especially these days when businesses are doing better, um, most of the business owners, you know, they aren't doing anything other than paying out, you know, cash compensation. And they feel like that's enough. And they feel like, you know, I'm giving this. Like say, a bonus or yeah, something? Yeah, like a bonus and not giving out any equity and rarely have any kind of even phantom equity plan, you know, where they're where they're giving the key person or people a um, – a compensation structure that is aligned with the profitability of the company. So in other words, basically like, you know, we're going to give you Mr. or Mrs. Key employee, you know, uh, you're going to have a balance and a plan that's going to grow every year based on the growth of this company and the profitability of the company. You rarely see that. You just don't have business owners thinking that through. Usually where they stop is, hey, I'm going to pay Brooke a nice bonus and that she seems pretty happy with that. It's all good. 
but typically those discussions haven't haven't been had thoroughly to really vet that to say is she really happy is she by the way she's talking to three other business owners right now that are telling her that they're going to give her equity and she may jump ship in six months so a lot of that hasn't been fully vetted how does a phantom stock plan work you know essentially it's um you start out with a baseline of the company value so i hire brooke the company's worth 10 million and i tell her we're going to have a there's a balance there's a there's a you're going to have a plan that is going to have money put into it based on the growth of the company starting at 10 million as our baseline. So we get to the end of year one, company's worth 11 million. And so we had a million dollar growth and we applied some percentage to that million that's going to go into an account for her. Let's say it's 10%. Okay. So she gets a sheet. So in her account, then 10% of a million is a hundred thousand. So her account balance in this phantom stock plan is now a hundred thousand. Pretty good. Not and bad. Not bad. And so if it would have if the growth would have been only a hundred thousand, she would have only gotten ten thousand put in the account. So it's up to her. She can't completely control the growth. Um, but in that case There's incentive. There's incentive for her to be very aligned with the business owner to say, you know, how are we driving revenue? Mm-hmm. You know, what are we doing here? I mean, it's completely aligned. And how does that tie I mean, if I want to go, does that stay how, how, depends on the how transportable is that depends i mean typically you'll have uh vesting in there because i'm not going to vest her 100 percent year one because i want her to be tied to me and um so you you may have a multi-year vesting schedule sort of a uh graded vested vesting schedule where i vest her cliff yeah or you could do a cliff yeah yeah where you basically she gets n- nothing until a you know five years from now then she 100 percent vests mm-hmm. in that year Versus I'll give her 10% vesting each year or 20% over a five-year period. In, in that latter example, is that where there are there funds going in? They're just... Yeah, well, exactly. There's, I just, I don't get to see them. I, they're, they're not, they're not mine yet. They're not yours yet. I see. So it's kind of like delayed compensation in a way in mm-hmm. that kind of model. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's, that's a big key. The, the retention of key people is very key because the key people are the ones typically driving big revenue and bringing in big clients, retaining big clients of a company. And sometimes business owners take that for granted because they think that it's them. And a lot of times over, over time, that shifts where Brooke and CW, who I hired 10 years ago, golly, they've become pretty darn important, maybe and more important than I am. Maybe they could pluck 60% of this revenue and go start their own business down the road. Maybe I should think about that. You know, and then you get into non-competes. What kind of covenants do I have in your, do I even have a... It matters. Employment agreements and all this stuff mm-hmm. that, that people just typically, things get moving. You hire somebody and you don't think about these and things. And you can help facilitate all of that. Absolutely. And yeah, that's a part of the whole transition planning is, that's a huge component of it is how are we, how are we treating these people? Right. And obviously, privately held companies are what we're talking about here. Who, who is your customer? I mean, what is what do they look like? I was asking Brooke about Kevy customers before we went on the air, and we'll talk a little bit about here, here shortly. But for you and and the the team that you have at Sound River Advisors, for somebody listening, it's, what's your what's the picture? Yeah, I mean the, the the size. It's privately held, often family held, family run. Doesn't have to be. Revenue is kind of five million to a hundred million, typically. You know, there's not that many companies that are doing more than 100 million. I mean, you hear a lot of cocktail party talk about, 
you know, people that are worth a hundred million or whatever, there's, there's like, you know, how many in Atlanta? Not that many. Same thing with companies, you know, companies doing, I mean, a company that's doing 20 million in revenue is a very nice company. And by the way, that's not to say that the company doing 100 million is worth more than the company doing 20 because the one doing 100, the margins could be so thin that the 20 is more profitable. Sure. So it's usually, though, falls in that 5 million to 100 million. It, it, it doesn't matter. It could be 200 million, but it's just that, you know, there's just not that many of those, like I said. Now, if I become a client, what's my what's my interaction with you like? Is it more of a project-based kind of thing? We kind of go through all this, get the plan in place. And then we don't really have to interact for a period of time, or is it a kind of a regular we're interacting over over time? Yeah, it's the latter. So it's we're getting the plan put in place, which will take six to eight months to get the the game plan formulated uh, with the team, the the cohesive team, and they're all attorney, accountant, valuation expert. Um, it could be a investment banker, could be on the team, could be a commercial banker. But everybody that's a player in the um, on the team will be brought into the process as we build the plan, so they're all contributing to it. And then we go into implementation of actually implementing the strategies that are affecting the plan, and that can take years, those strategies to implement. It could take two or three years, so we stay involved during that whole time. And it would seem that based on what you're doing now with, even though you're you're still working with insurance solutions of different types, um, it would seem that the way you're applying that now would be pretty rewarding because it would seem that it would have a pretty big impact on your your client's long-term outlook. Yeah. I mean, to my mind, it's, I love doing it. It's, um, I've always done this in the insurance business. We, we called it in the insurance business succession planning and, um, Succession planning is really just one component of transition planning for a business owner. Succession is where, you know, what am I, who's taking over my business? Um, but really, you know, that's just just one component of it. So it's, yeah, it's very rewarding for us and it's, and it's very rewarding for the business owner. We can get them to understand and really buy in because it's hard for a business owner because they're having to think about, you know, giving up control of their baby, Oftentimes, mm-hmm. without putting you on the spot, because I didn't really give you a heads up, I'd ask. But do you have, uh, you know, when you think about what you've been doing here with Sound River Advisors, do you have an example or two of, w- of one of the times where you're like, man, that was awesome when we did that. It was fantastic. Yeah, I mean, I would um, I think that I, you know, I would say, you know, a couple of different ones. But I guess the the one that I'm that I'm thinking of is you know, where we, we had an owner and the owner um, was really kind of butting heads with the person that was internal, sort of their COO that that he had picked to take the business over. But the the, the issue was they, they, they couldn't figure it out between the two of them and they started getting at odds with one another. And I just got introduced at the right time uh, to this situation and was able to come between them and basically say, look, I'm now in charge of this process. And the way this is going to work is you guys are going to separate and I'm going to talk to you separately, but more importantly, um, we're going to, we're going to get rid of the, you know, some of this emotion that's been around you. You want this, you want this, you know, 
you know, we're starting to get get at each other's throats because we're working together and we're trying to figure out how we're going to transition this thing to this person. Lead on the wall. Yeah, right. <laughs> and so I was able to come in and say, you know, this is you. You go to your corner. You go to your corner, and 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 then I interview both of them and start with that baseline of what do you really want? What are you really trying to do? So you're also acting as a therapist. Yes. Um. Yeah. Like Doctor Phil. <laughs> yeah. It's like <laughs> Doctor Bo. <laughs> right. In in um. And so yeah, for them it was very rewarding because we were able to put a plan in place. It doesn't mean that it's not emotional still because it's, it is very emotional, but it was a, we were able to um, basically be the, the quarterback of the situation and uh, bring them together with a good solution on how we're going to do this, how we're going to transition this business. And by the way, it isn't going to be transitioned like you guys thought over the next 12 months, you know, from a tax perspective and everything else, it's going to take three or three to five years to transition it the way you guys want to do it and do it right with max value for the owner um, and in as minimal cost to the young COO and all this kind of stuff. So it was, hmm. um, were you able to preserve the relationship? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it was, um, yeah, it was sort of put me in the middle, <laughs> <laughs> but it was good. It was, yeah. And I've made a great relationship with them and that's the, the rewarding part of what, what I'm doing is that they're very long relationships and, um, you know, that I will, even when I'm not being paid any longer, I'm still involved with them. So mm-hmm. it's fun to just make new friends too. Yeah. So where do folks go to get information about Sound River? Uh, soundriver.com uh, and uh, www.soundriver.com and, uh, or bwilkins at soundriver.com is my email. So LinkedIn, uh, we're, we're out there big time, about to be on Twitter. Oh, getting, I'm getting ooh, that big time. Yeah, that's right. I heard about this thing called Twitter last week when I was playing my Pac-Man. I'd never heard of Pac-Man. Either. Thrilled for you. I'm going to start Twittering. <laughs> yeah, right. And uh, <laughs> Facebook, I'm still not on Facebook, but um, wow. baby steps one ba- at a time. Baby steps. <laughs> yep. Yeah. There's a reason I'm not on Facebook. Yeah, it's like drinking we'll from a Twitter. fire hydrant. Away, yeah. 140 characters. You can yeah. do it. I can't take on any more. Yeah. I'm too verbose. I, Twitter gives me a hard time. It really works me to, <laughs> to try to get something to fit. I'm like, wait, I'm just getting started. Yeah, right. I gotta, I'm do over. the multiple I'm page on, Twitter. Yeah, yep. yeah, that's right. <laughs> tweet and then tweet and then tweet. Yeah. yeah, that's what I have to do. As I mentioned earlier, previous guest and now friend of mine, Bill Plunk, the nicest corporate collections guy one could ever meet. His company's called Simcoe. You can find him on LinkedIn. Bill Plunk. You'll never forget that name. But no. I mean, he's so good at what he does and he's so professional about what he does that many of the companies that he was hired to collect on ultimately became clients of his to go collect for them. Mm-hmm. And that's a pretty strong testament as to what he's going to be doing and how he's going to be handling accounts that if your business is one that has some that are aging well beyond what you would need them to be and you have to bring them up to date, that I would readily say, call Bill Plunk at Simcoe. And he said, you've got to meet Brooke Beach. She's awesome <laughs> with this company called Kevy. And I'm like, Kevy, what is Kevy? So tell us. I can tell you about Kevy. Kevy is an e-commerce marketing 
automation platform. So what we did is we, we looked at the industry and we realized, hey, there's a lot of marketing automation out there, but they're really focused on B2B. So there's a lot of B2B solutions for what we're offering, but there really was a massive gap when it came to online retail. So we were talking about this a little bit earlier. We saw there were a lot of email marketing tools, MailChimps and Constant Contacts and Vertical Responses. And there were a lot of reporting tools and reporting tools are fantastic, but it doesn't really answer that question. Then what? All right, I've got a lot of data. What in the world am I supposed to do with this information? And then email marketing, very powerful and still the number one revenue driver for online retailers, which is huge. It beats out social and SEO combined. So email is still massive in the uh, e-commerce industry. But when you're sending an email out, it doesn't tell you how much revenue is associated. So you can see things like opens and click rates and those tend to be vanity metrics if you have no correlation of how much revenue they actually brought in. And when we say vanity metrics, what do you mean? I mean metrics that don't necessarily impact the bottom line. So, hey, we got a lot. It sounds exciting. It sounds exciting. You know, we had all these new impressions and likes and shares on Twitter. Yeah. Right, right. You'll know that soon. That's right. Twitter and Facebook and opens on email. But at the end of the day, we really don't have insight into what is affecting our revenue. So we're doing all these things and we're running ourselves into the ground, but we don't have insight into the most important metrics, and that is revenue. And so that's what Kevi sought out to answer. That question is, how can we do a closed loop within this marketing cycle? And email marketing is a very powerful aspect of it, but it's only one piece. And how can we get more personalized online? Because when you walk into your favorite boutique, you are greeted and they know you and they have a feel for what you're probably in there for. There's no concept of that online. So how can we give that boutique feel for massive online industries? So what we've figured out is, hey, there are ways you can do this. And a lot of that comes through. Let's get to know our customers in a way that has never been done before. And let's give them offers and emails and messages based on their unique buying patterns and behaviors. So everything from behavior-based pop-ups. I gave this example, but where's one of your favorite online places to shop? REI? Well, you know, it's funny. I I don't shop anywhere, but you're wearing clothes right now. Yeah, I was going to say he's he's Mister yeah, dressed to, to the nines. I know. So I don't you shop buy, somewhere. Yeah, but I shop like in a. If I go, I'll go to a store. But let's just pick what's a good. What's REI? REI. Okay, yeah, because I was actually there buying a running watch at the store. But well, yeah, right. Perfect. Perfect. <laughs> Perfect. We're going to go with that. Okay. So you go to REI and you go online and you've been there before. You've ordered from them online before. So they have your email. They know who you are and they know that you typically are ordering running type gear. You get on the site and you see the exact same pop-up that you see every single time. Hey, put in your email and you'll get newsletters if this is your first time. Well, it's not your first time. So how do they not know that? And isn't it a little bit frustrating that they haven't figured out who you are yet? So what we do is we give very specific behavior-based messages. So you and I could be on REI at the exact same time and see a dramatically different message based on our previous order history and online behaviors. So if I'm looking at more women's things and you're looking at more men's running gear, then we can see messages that actually relate to what we're looking at rather than that generic batch and blast type message that you see every time that you log out to a site. Right. And you were saying that you're able to embed JavaScript onto the the website Mm -hmm. code and that doing it that way, as you were saying, makes it a little bit more quicker, a little simpler to execute. Very powerful. So we've played around with things like APIs before. We really landed on this JavaScript. And the reason is we can embed this JavaScript directly onto the e-commerce platform. So anyone who sells online and has a shopping cart, they're using some sort of e-commerce platform, whether it's a software as a service model or homegrown. We put our JavaScript to get super technical directly onto that site. And we are acting 
as one with that site. So we're able to get insights real time. So if we were to land on REI right now, I could pull up my computer and say, you're on. And this is what you're looking at. And so that makes things like behavior-based real-time triggers very possible. So one of the other things that we really focused on is having more of this transactional email feel. Transactional emails get 114% open rate. And that's because the consumer, I know, that means you're opening and reopening. Like, Wait a second. It seems stupid, right? But yes, <laughs> it's true. It's because you're reopening it. Either you placed an order or you requested information and it warranted a response that you're looking for. So you open that email to see the confirmation number, to see the response or see what the status is, or you did an action that deserved the response and you're okay with opening that email. So our trigger-based emails get a dramatically higher open rate than regular batch and blast because you just took action on the site and it warranted a response. So for instance, you're looking at a coat mm-hmm. and you really want this coat and it's fantastic. It's a little expensive though. So you come back the next day, mm, maybe it's on sale. So you take a look at that coat again, eh, not on sale. We'll try back this weekend. There's probably a weekend sale. No. But what our system does is says, hey, instead of giving a 10% off discount to everybody, in which case you could be losing money because right. there are people who are willing to pay full price and you don't want to give offers to those people. Let's just give discounts to the people who clearly want it. So we could say, hey, this person has looked at the same coat three times and hasn't ordered. Give them 10% off. Let it be automatic and behavior-based. And that one person gets that discount and they're a lot more likely to convert because it's personal. Right. You were talking about the fact that you helped co-found the company. This is a really technological kind of thing that you all (laughs) are doing. So what's your background? What led you to this place where you're saying, you know what, this is what we need to do. I am a nerd at heart. So I love tech. I love technology. I know. I know. (laughs) (laughs) You're laughing at me, but I am. (laughs) I love it. And so I came from a strong marketing background. And so in marketing, you see a lot of these scenarios where the marketer, our job is dependent on having these insights of what is marketing doing? What is marketing bringing to the table? Because when hard times come, marketing is typically the first one to get Mm -hmm. cut. And that is extremely unfortunate because I feel marketing is one of the biggest drivers of revenue in any company, whether you're B2B or B2C. So how can we give more power to business owners and marketers to say, actually, this is how much revenue these actions are driving. So we need to keep focus here. Or these actions aren't really driving a lot of revenue. We can cut and save resources and refocus on something that is actually bringing business. It seems interesting to me that email as a marketing platform is as effective as you're describing, because I know I just look at my own behavior and you can send me all you want, but I'm probably not going to open it. Now, I guess the distinction is that in this case, based on what I'm hearing you say, is that if I go to REI, and, uh, <laughs> We're giving Ari, them a lot of welcome, Ari. I really mm-hmm. hope that they give me a call I'll, I'll, at some I'll point. Yeah, that'd be fantastic <laughs> <laughs> for all the free pub. But anyway, I guess the the, the thought being that. Because I visited, because I apparently at some point, because they using them as an example, they do have a, a rewards program. Mm-hmm. And to have that rewards program, part of that is giving them your email address. Absolutely. But I, I suppose the reason why I, as a consumer, am more inclined to open the REI email versus somebody else's is because, as you say, it's coming in response to either me purchasing something yep. in the store recently or, in this case, browsing on the mm-hmm. website. Yeah. Absolutely. And it kind of comes back to this 80-20 rule. So there are really two sides because online retailers, they typically don't have inside sales. Every penny of budget goes to marketing. How can we get more people to the site and how can we get them to convert? And so it comes down to this 80-20 rule of about 80% of your revenue is coming from 20% of your customers, you know, give or take a little bit in the B2C. So we can get a lot of people to the website, but if we're not focused on converting and engaging those people who are loyal, then we're missing out on an immense opportunity to bring in business and create loyal customers that are 
with us for life. And so one of the things that we're noticing is this trend away from third-party marketplaces, kind of like Amazon and eBay. Now they're doing great. You know, they're not going to notice much of a hit. But what we've seen in, with our retailers is they're tired of that race to the bottom. When you put something on Amazon, there's no brand loyalty. You're just looking for whatever it is you want at the lowest price. You're yeah. not looking for a certain brand. You just... Right. You want the lowest price. So how can they transition into something that is a lot bigger than just a price war and more of an experience? And that's what Kevy really helps facilitate is, yeah, you can't, maybe you can't drive the same kind of traffic that Amazon can, but you can market better because you have the tools to make this a very personal, engaging experience. And we, we help them with that. And now based on what we were talking about earlier, you're not so much focused from Kevy's perspective on getting me more emails, for example. You're, right. you're, you're really focused more on getting more out of the people whose emails you have. Exactly. So kind of two sides to the marketing on, on for B2Cs. It's one, how are we getting people to the site? And then the second is, what are we doing once they're there? And we really focus on that second step of how are you converting them? How are you taking an anonymous visitor that you have no idea who they are and getting their email, getting their subscription, getting them to buy into what you are selling, whether that be your vision, your mission, or your actual products. So we take that second step. How do you effectively get me to share my information so that I'm not anonymous anymore? There are a lot of different ways. One of the ways kind of comes back to those pop-ups at the beginning. So we see customized pop-ups increase subscription input about 500%. People who have that generic pop-up that comes up, hey, give us your email. I'm not really engaged. I don't even know if I've seen anything on your site that I care about and I don't want this. It's obnoxious. Take that and change it to a very behavior-based pop-up. So you're looking at just running gear and you get a running message that says put in your email and we'll send you 10% off for running gear. Those subscriptions, you're probably going to be a lot more likely, Bo, to put your email in if it's specific to what you're looking at and what you're interested rather than just a generic, eh, we might send you a promo here and there or a newsletter. Does my visit, does it begin to, do I now see... REI when I pop onto Facebook and and the next couple of pages. So you don't (laughs) stalk me. We do not stalk you. Absolutely not. We keep it on the website. We're really only focused on that one retailer's site. We don't chase you around. (laughs) (laughs) That creep me out. Yeah. (laughs) But and the other cool thing is too, we work with a lot of customers who also do brick and mortar. So brick and mortar is not dead. There are all these different studies that say, oh, you know, e-commerce is growing and it is and it's beautiful and fantastic. But there is still a lot of people who like going into brick and mortar. So while Kevy, yes, we do focus on online retail, there there should be an omni-channel experience. When you buy from a brick and mortar and then you buy online, there should be some sort of bridge between those two. So we actually help with that as well. So if you have a brick and mortar, you can put that information into Kevy. And now we have a very robust picture of who you are. So we're kind of building an in-house CRM system as well of who are your customers? Where are they purchasing? What are they purchasing brick and mortar versus online? But then the really cool thing is we've got a radius rule. I get really excited when I talk about it. We've got a radius rule. So you can say, hey, we've got a brick and mortar store in downtown Atlanta and we have another one in Brookhaven. Well, we're having events on different days at these brick and mortars. We don't want to blast everyone because we have some people who buy online from Oregon and they can't make it to our Brookhaven event or Atlanta event. So how about we do this? How about we send a very specific email to everyone who's within a 20 mile radius of Atlanta? And because Kevy geolocates all of your known customers, you can say, I want to send this email to 20 miles with Atlanta about the Atlanta event. And then same with Brookhaven. And only those people are going to get it or only those people are going to see that pop up on your website. So again, someone in Oregon could be on the site and someone in Atlanta, and we're going to see dramatically different messages based on what you want to tell them. Now, I was looking on the website and there's a, I don't know if it's a white paper, there's an article that you have, an ebook that talks about five tips to help convert browsers into buyers. Do you want to share like one or two sneak peeks at how to convert them? Yes, and if you want them all, you can can... go download them on Kevy. 
give me your name and email That's right. and you'll expect a call. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, so converting browsers into buyers, it's, I think that's one of the biggest problems that e-commerce or online retailers face. How in the world are we getting people who are just browsing our site to convert and purchase and, and what can we do? And it has a lot to do with what we just talked about of meet them where they're at. Everyone is different, so treat them differently. And it's been so elusive to be able to do that because everyone's just kind of a name or a number or an IP address. And when you start putting past purchase history and behaviors and a name to those behaviors, then you're able to see people for who they really are and what they're interested in. So one of the ways that you can do that is by doing something like the behavior-based triggers of, okay, anyone who has spent, let's create a VIP program. We've never done it before, but I want to target anyone who spent over $200 and they've ordered twice within the past year. And as soon as someone meets that criteria, we want to send them a welcome to the VIP club email. And it makes you feel so special because you're like, oh, they noticed, you know, there might not be an official program in place, but you got an email that said, thank you. I appreciate your loyalty. And that that makes a much bigger impact than just the product that they purchased because they know that they appreciate you, which is very powerful. So another way that you can do that is through behavior-based pop-ups or our dynamic list. So for the most part, you, and you've probably seen this before, you're on one list and you get the same newsletter or the same math email multiple times a day, every day, five days a week. We have these lists that you can say, I only want people on this list if they meet a certain set of criteria. So I only want people who have viewed the brand Nike. I don't care if they purchased it. I just want them to have viewed it. And everyone who has viewed it, because we're tracking every page visit, is going to be on that list. So when you send that email out, you know exactly who you're sending it to. Those are people who viewed and clearly are interested in Nike. And so what you're saying is that by doing that, then I'm more likely to come back and exactly. pick up one of those Nike products. Mm -hmm. Instead of just browsing and kind of getting a feel for it, ah, they're selling the same thing that 15 other stores are selling. You're creating an experience. And I think that that is where the world of shopping is going to go. I don't know if you've heard about the massive Bass Pro Shop that just took the stadium over and I think Nashville, Tennessee, but it's this massive experience. And yes, it's brick and mortar, but you can stay at a hotel there within the facility. You can go fly fishing. You can learn to fish. They've got kids programs and retreats and all kinds of things. So they're making shopping an experience. Now, it takes a lot to be able to facilitate that. But online, we need to start moving in that direction. It's been such a empty space. So people will go shopping online and you're super anonymous and there's really no interaction beyond the click to purchase. Uh, so how can we make this a two-way conversation and dialogue and really bring in a cool interaction and experience to the online shopping scene. So talk about what your customer looks like so that if I'm listening, I go, oh, okay, that makes that's sense. Me. I need to I need to maybe look a little bit more closely. What's the typical profile of the enterprise that's linking up with your solutions? If you sell anything online. So if you have, <laughs> to yeah. be very broad. Everybody. Everyone. No, to be, we, we really focus on mid-sized companies. So a million in revenue or more. Now we have some people who are doing far less and far more than that, but a million in revenue and, and higher is typically where we fall, where we find a lot of our customers. And we really, we've, we've tried to figure out, okay, is there a certain type of industry that's more focused on it? And really there's not. It is, we have some people selling food, some people selling books, some people selling supplements and vitamins. So as long as you, have a desire to engage with your shoppers more effectively, then we're a good fit. And it doesn't really matter the vertical. No. Mm -mm. Hey, one question. Yeah. What, what is Kevy? Is Kevy an acronym for something or is it Kevy like a, is Kevy like, how did you come up with the, the name Kevy or the? It was you know? the shortest four letter domain. Oh. That actually was a word. 
Why four letters? It means nothing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it sounds like some child name no. is Kevin. We call him yeah. Kevy. Yeah. So <laughs> it means nothing. My co-founder picked it. Um, so yeah, no, what, it's what, the most what empty was the, word. What was the desire for four? It's easy to remember. And it. to his credit, it is. It's pretty easy to remember. And it's only four letters. So it fits everywhere. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> I was just wondering. Now, if no, you, that's a good question. If you call me up and you say, hey, we're Kevy and we've got this awesome enterprise. Mm-hmm. And I say, well, I've got, I've got XYZ <laughs> company that, that is already handling my emailing for me. Um, are they tying revenue back to What if to Chevy it? got in the business? Be Chevy, Chevy against Kevy. Yeah. Kevy. Well, we get Chevy that a lot, actually, because people are like, oh, is it Kevy? Is it Kevy? And it's like, uh, Kevy, like Chevy. But not Kavi. Kavi. You could. Ooh, it's, yes, yes, we're very fancy. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> the fanciest email marketing platform out there. That's right. That's right. <laughs> but you were saying that you were able to show me when I email a thousand emails, you're able to show me down to the penny, down to the penny. how much that particular campaign mm-hmm. it's brought me. Very powerful, and that's and that's really cool because you're sending out so many emails. All that's what online retailers do they're sending out emails uh so how do you know which one works better is it the free shipping one did that work better or did the 10 percent off one work better really don't know we can infer based on open rates and based on click rates but unless we're doing a lot of manual work to pull data from all over the place we don't know so we close that loop and so we're able to say oh you sent out a free shipping one on tuesday and from click to purchase it generated sixteen thousand four hundred and five dollars for you um and the cool thing is we have abandoned cart program too that you can set up. And one of our customers, he sells supplements and um, he had never done an abandoned cart recovery uh, before. And he wasn't super interested in, he knew he, knew he needed it. And so, I noticed you had this item in your cart, but you never but you completed never, it. Mm-hmm. And you don't really realize how powerful it is to send that email. Within three and a half, four weeks, he had converted over $16,000 in revenue. And we could show him that because they went from email to purchase just because of that one email. And so that was $16,000 that he was leaving on the table over the matter of just a couple weeks. And so when you start to see those kinds of numbers, it's extremely powerful to say, hey, I do have the opportunity to convert a lot more revenue for my store. I'm just, I don't have access to the right tools. So we want to give access to the right tools to help you not leave all that money on the table. Now, you mentioned that you have a CRM platform as part of your your technology. Now, if I've already got a CRM that I'm working yeah. with, does that matter? Do I need to be using your CRM? How does how does that come into play? Yeah, good question. It's not it's not defined as a CRM. It's more that Kevy is building a very robust profile. So for online retailers, there hasn't been an awesome CRM solution because they don't have salespeople that are really following up and calling out uh, to their shoppers. But that means that they're left with this massive gap. And I was actually talking to to someone about this the other day who's in a very large industry um, that revolves around e-commerce. And she was saying the same thing. There's not a great database for online retailers to say, these are my customers. These are the patterns. This is what we need to pay attention to. So Kevy is filling in that gap by saying, hey, we know their behaviors. We know exactly what pages they're looking at for how many seconds. And we know that they've had place five orders in the past five months. So we're building a CRM type of profile on every single one of your buyers. So what do I do with the information like that that you're giving me? We build all kinds of actionable reports. So that's where my previous marketing experience uh, comes in handy. We've got an awesome team who builds. Uh, our developers are unbelievable. Um, but one of the things that we wanted to avoid was reports for the sake of reporting. Right. Um, so how can we build reports that kind of give you that next step? Then what? So one of our reports, for instance, is time of day. Um, so what time of day 
are people purchasing? So we were talking to one customer the other day, and as you guys know, it's really hard to change consumer behavior. Very near impossible. But what you can do is play into existing behaviors, Mm -hmm. right? So we noticed, hey, people in her store are ordering around lunchtime. So instead of sending your emails out still at like five or six at night thinking that they're going home to order, how about we do a happy hour special? Send an email out at 10, 1030 that says we're going to do a happy hour special, 10% off of your entire order between the hours of 1130 and 130. And their sales almost doubled because they played into the fact that these people are already online. They're checking their emails and they're about to order during their lunch break. So we really focus on how can we make reports that give you actionable insights to take advantage of immediately. So it sounds like then for, because it, based on what you were telling me before we came on the air, that it's basically like a subscription dependent upon how many emails, I don't know if a subscription is the yeah, correct yeah, word. Yeah, but, marketable contacts. Um, but it's based upon bandwidth, if you will, of how many emails I'm going to be distributing through my my mm-hmm. efforts. and. The more you know, my subscription's a little bit more, you know, if I'm sending many, many more, then my subscription's a little bit higher. But it sounds as though, based on what you're saying, that there is pretty readily identified ROI, and it's several times over their investment. Yes. So far, every single customer that we've brought on board has over has more than paid for Kevy within the first month, two months tops. So when you see For that a year's worth of engagements, what you're saying, when you see that, I mean, there's really no question to say, OK, we're bringing in a lot of revenue. Um, Kevy's already been paid for because we're actually giving you the insight to see these marketing campaigns that you're doing. They are working. And here's where you can focus more time on. Now, do you do you get in and advise me on the content mm-hmm. of it as well or more just the responses to what I send out? We do. And that's kind of, I was relating to you a little bit, Bo, and what you were saying of building those relationships. And so marketing is, it's it's a lot to tackle and it's ever changing. And so we really position ourselves as your consultants and partners. Uh, we see a lot of companies and they're doing all kinds of different things. And we're able to see what is working and what's not working across all kinds of different verticals and industries. And so we're able to offer some advice. And especially we have a really dedicated first 30 days. And then we even have dedicated account managers who can sit with you and say, hey, let's design it this way or let's do this message. Let's create a win back campaign. So we work alongside of you to offer that services component to say, Let, let's do this together. We know what works and what doesn't. Let's try these things. And I think it sounds really, really cool yeah. what, they're, what they're doing. Yeah. I was wondering, would it, would it work um, in, in other industries, in professional services, in financial services is, as it relates to, you know, like I've got a lawyer friend of mine who five years ago did not have a strong website and they've invested a lot of money in their website in order to attract customers for legal work, yeah. uh, hitting their site and calling in. And I was just curious, is that a place for Kevy in that marketplace? Yeah, it could be. I mean, we really, really focus on the online retail shopping cart side. But if there is an opportunity where he says, I, I really want to track these conversions and this behavior, then, you know, it's definitely worth a conversation. Yeah. Because, again, we really like building those relationships. We love when we see customers succeed and grow and expand. Uh, and whether that is an attorney who's looking to really engage potential clients or people who are selling, we really like seeing them successful. Yeah. So for folks who have been listening to what you're talking about and these cool things that you do for them, where do they go to get information to get linked up with you? 
Oh, we've got all kinds of things. So, kevy.com. Uh, so Probably have a Twitter account. <laughs> you yeah. know what? We sure do. And yeah. a Facebook. <laughs> they're, they're, they're like We're like crazy. seriously legit. Yeah, you guys are like, yeah, totally legit. <laughs> We're even venturing into the Pinterest world. I kid you not. <laughs> oh, I'm not good at Pinterest. I have a Pinterest though. account. Do you really? Yes. Oh, you're going to have to. T- I'm not I'm not great at Pinterest. Every once in a while I log in and it, uh, I don't know what to do here. Uh, yeah. But other people I'll, I, can, I can show you how to do I it. I appreciate that. No but I'll show you Twitter. And, yeah, okay, <laughs> right. We can do that. <laughs> um, but yes, yeah, so kevy.com. You can email me directly at brooke.beach at kevy.com. And that's beach like the ocean. So I'm two bodies of water. Uh, yeah, easy to remember. <laughs> Married uh, into the name. <laughs> oh, yeah. my gosh. Yeah, You've said ne- that before. <laughs> you'll never forget it. I was like, wait. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my goodness. Yep. That was good. Thanks. <laughs> so brook.vjetkevy.com. Twitter is Team Kevy. Facebook is Team Kevy. Um, there are all kinds of ways you can interact with us. And we would love to chat with you, even if it's just a conversation of, hey, we're doing this in marketing. What would you advise us to do? Or uh, we really need help in this one area. I mean, our team is happy to just hop on a call and and talk with you. Uh, and so that's what we do a lot. And they've got a number of eBooks out there on the kevy.com slash resources page. Um, how to convert browsers into buyers, how to, or, or nine secrets for increasing e-commerce revenue, a host of others that you can check out and download that might help your business out. Um, if you're checking out our podcast today and you've not done so already, if you'll go to the upper left-hand corner of the show's page, you'll see the Apple logo there. Follow that over to the Midtown Business Radio Show podcast and subscribe to us so that each week when the new podcast comes out, it'll be downloaded straight to your device and you can check us out on your way to work, riding the train, walking the dog, whatever the case may be. We hope you turn around and share this information because you might just put something in the hands of somebody you care about that actually helps them in their business. So uh, we really hope you do that. And and Brooke and and uh, Bo, I really want to say thanks so much for coming out today and and uh, hanging with us in the studio. I think what you're doing is really cool. I was really glad that uh, Mr. Plunkin introduced us. Yeah, me too. And uh, we'll have to have you back sometime. We'll, we'll bring you back with one of those uh, clients that'll be able to say, yeah, man, this is what it did for <laughs> us. This is really cool. So for all the folks out there that checked us out today, we really want to say thank you very much. Your time is important to us. We look forward to seeing you all same time, same place next week. We'll see you then. 